Welcome to the show and 100, episode 138. Thank you all for joining us. And let's jump right into our next wonderful, beautiful, amazing, extraordinary guest. All right, guys, back again. Uh, if I sound a little off today, it's because I'm still kind of waking up this morning. Uh, it's here in Pennsylvania. It's somewhere in, like around 1030 uh, a.m. And uh, so me and my one of my new friends who got to know each other a little bit outside the show and got to hear her cr- crazy story, at least some of it. Uh, I thought it was a very pivotal uh, adventure to have on here because uh, I always like to show you the juxtaposition of how uh, how life can start off really wrong and you can turn it around somehow, even if it doesn't seem that way. Uh, so I'll welcome our next guest. You want to uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself? Good morning, TJ. Thank you. Um, yes, my name is Christine. Uh, last name is Malik. I am what I call a women's confidence coach. And I do this through a um, program I call SASSY. And that is an acronym. stands for Strong, Assertive, Smart, Sexy, and Independent. And I was not always that woman. That is for sure. Right. But thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's when you were telling me your story about like two weeks back, it was... Yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard some other crazy ones. Of course, I've I have my own, but you know, I was just like, wow, where this this is this is going somewhere, and it didn't. I mean, I'm happy to know now that you're doing so much better. But if you heard what I heard uh, when you told me this, it was like, wow, like if you were telling me this was someone else's story, I'm like, wow, they're probably dead or they've given up, and and you know, it's obviously not the case. I uh, honestly, TJ, I should have been dead many times in my life by my own doing. Um, I did attempt suicide several times throughout my life, three in the abusive um, relationship. Um, Outside of that was, um, you know, just stupid shit I did, situations I was in, um, being kidnapped at 19, 20 years old, held for four or five days, um, drugged out in in the cabin, for, you know, 24 hours. I mean, the, the shit that I have, I should not be here today, but by the grace of God and my angels, I'm here. And I'm, 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 the reason I do this is to get the story out. Let other people know that we do go through quite a few adversities in our life. For sure. But if we have the mindset and the willpower, we can do all right. We can get out. We can we can do better, and we can teach others and help others. Right. So, and I'm asking you this for a reason because it's a follow up question. But when when did you actually like start dating, like like an age wise, or at least you know, within a range? Dating? There there was no dating. In my life. Well, you know what I mean? Like I would not that. call it. <laughs> oh, uh, that one. See that that's a totally different question. So that probably came about it. 12, 13 years old. Um, And that was because of all the sexual abuse that I had endured that I didn't remember. And then I, of course, then did remember. 
Um, the only way, it's funny that you asked that because it's only been recently that that was kind of an aha moment for me in my healing that I went, oh, so that's why I did all that stupid shit. That's why, because what I had learned through outside environment and family members that the only way to receive love was if I was being sexually abused. Right. And that's what I had learned. That's what they taught me. So, of course, when, when the female body becomes in that, that stage of life, in the teenager, preteen, and you start going through the girl thing, I explored. And that was the only way that I knew to try and find love. Um, obviously, that was the wrong thing to do, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> Well, for sure. And you know, and I, now I'm remembering more of your story. Yeah, like the follow-up question isn't going to work because the follow-up question I was going to say, like, you know, how, how did you perceive, you know, cause when we're young, we, we, you know, boys and girls, whatever you're into, you're like, Oh my God, you know, you, you, you think of love and you think of hanging out and just being silly and whatever you enjoy yourself. And of course, whatever sex and everything else comes along with it. But you, you have this like preconceived notion of what relationships are, but you went through so much abuse before and after I don't know if you ever really got to kind of enjoy didn't. or experience that kind of love no, or, or even no. those feelings. No, no, what that, because I didn't know what what true love was, and I don't mean you know true love in like fairy tales. Yeah, um, sure. What the definition of love is is supposed to be. I I did not learn that. I wasn't taught that. So when I was in a relationship with you know whether it was high school, actually. Even in high school, I didn't date anybody from high school, you know, what we call dating. Um, I really didn't date anybody from high school. It was always older men. Um, that's what I gravitated towards because, again, it goes back to the older men in my life when I was much younger. Um, or the daddy figures, as, you know, some, some people will call it. Um, college I dated, always ended up in a situation where I was like, oh, I should not be here. Of course, it was always the next day. Um, and then out of college, I was married at 21, first child at 22. That marriage lasted about 20 years. Um, that's where a lot of the drugs and alcohol came in and the abuse of the drugs and alcohol. And then, of course, that second marriage, I, you know, I apparently didn't learn my lesson and went and found a narcissistic, psychopathic son of a bitch that was very abusive. And that lasted about six and a half, seven years. And but okay, something's got to change. Something's got to give. That's where all the the you know the, the self hate and the the self loathing and the that sassy was definitely gone, or so I thought. I'm gonna go um, out, again, I'm gonna go on a limb that you weren't a fan of that fella. <laughs> Whatever gave you that idea? <laughs> no, I, just, I, I, I knew it was it was a gamble. <laughs> That's funny because this morning, as I was getting ready for my day, I was I was speaking with my my angels and my guides and karma, and I was thinking, you know, karma is actually we tend to think of karma as you know a, a negative side, a bad thing that you know. Ooh, I hope you get your karma, you know that kind of thing. But karma can be both sides, and, and I was I was thinking, okay, karma, you know, you need to do your thing, you know. What, what would I What would I wish, you know, if I could if I could make a wish to karma for him, what would I wish? Lose a limb, 
Because I don't want to, I don't want him to die. I want him to suffer. Okay, there's definitely a side of me that would love for him to suffer. Um, do I want him to, you know, lose a limb? Maybe. Um, maybe two limbs. Uh, maybe. Uh, let's see. And then I thought, you know, he's got a a skin cancer on his forehead, and I thought, you know. That would be, that would just be perfect, you know, let that skin cancer eat away at his brain, you know, lose his vision, you know, because he, he would, he would not be able to, to survive. He just would not survive. If he could not see or function in a narcissistic way, yeah. um, that would just, that would be, but that's karma. That's up to her how she decides to do it. What, what I love. Oh, no. <laughs> What I love is like, you know, because everyone wants to try to play like the, you know, they're, they're such a good person and whatever. But like when you go through so much and you go through a lot of abuse, there is a lot of bitterness and even pettiness. There's a lot of things that are all like melting inside you and you just want to sometimes you do want someone else to pay for how like how badly you suffered on their hands, you know, by their hands. And it's like. You know, like I said, a lot of people like to play the good guy thing. Like, oh, you know, no, I hope they're okay and happy. It's like, no, horse shit. No, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. And well, you know, you can't have light without dark. Yeah. And I, I you know, 90% of me is, is and in and, and everyday life, I am 100% the light. That's that's the message I try and spread. But it, when, when it comes to him, yeah, there is definitely a little bit, because he took so much from me, not just the physical abuse, but my dignity, my humor was gone. Um, I attempted suicide three times with him. Um, everything was gone. My sassy, my total essence you know, as a woman was gone, complete everything gone. And he gained so much from it. Uh, I almost lost my hat. You know, all the physical, forget the physical abuse, you know, the gunshot wound to the head, the broken wrist and cracked ribs with a rubber mallet, the, the bruises all over my body, black eyes left and right. Like I had to wear sunglasses all the time. Not granted it was Florida, but, um, you know, it's, it's that psychological and that mental that scars deeper and longer than the physical. Obviously the gunshot wound to the head is, is healed. You know, my wrist is healed. No bruises on my body. Um, that those, those heal. It's the psychological that, that impacts anyone, man or woman that goes through any type of abuse. Do you feel that's, like, that's, do you, do you, I'm sorry. Do you feel like you had like a sign over your head saying like damaged and, and, and just like, not even just easy. I don't even mean easy like sexual, like but like just like you were easily <coughs> taken advantage of because it seemed, because obviously when he got a hold of you had already had a lot of damage done upon you. But I mean, do you, yeah, do you feel like you had something that just said like broken? Where these guys like when they met you, you know that they were just like, oh yeah, I, this is gonna be fun. That's an interesting question. Um, that's a really good question. There are there are women out there that have been abused that that feel that way and that think that way um, because we always go back to, you know, after the abuse, whether it's physical or other, um, you know, why me? What did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? What did I not do right? What did I not say right? You know, what all those questions that we bring it all back into me, 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 what, you know, what did I, but there's other philosophies of thought that will say it's not me it's not what i did that he's the broken person 
um, he's the one that has the issue. And I'm, I'm torn on that question. Do, do I think I had? Yes, because of all my, my previous traumas. Was I wearing more paint? Was I wearing a sign? Was there a neon light flashing behind my head that I didn't know about? I, to answer that question, the, the best way for me to answer this is, is I gained knowledge throughout this whole process. And that is what healed me. That is what, knowing that it wasn't completely me. Uh, granted, there were some things that I did. In, uh, I was a huge alcoholic and drug addict, without a doubt. Did that help the situation? Oh, hell no. Um, what, I, what I mean, cause, because, I mean, of course, he was obviously broken as well. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, like when a lion a lot of times goes after, if they're going to go after something big like an elephant, they tend to go for a sick elephant. Or a baby. Exactly. They don't go for the big bull elephant that will, will wreck <laughs> Right, right. Well, in that sense, in that sense, and again, I'll go back to the dark needs the light. And I think uh, we tend to be, because of that abuse that we've endured, because of the previous traumas, that we, we brought that light out and we said, okay, you know what? I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that person. I don't think we're the, we're the sick or injured lion. I don't think we're not intentionally anyway, maybe we're not aware of it. And that's where the knowledge part comes in. But we, we're, we, we took the opposite of what we endured and brought it to light. And that is what attracted it's like a moth to a light bulb. That is what attracts those type of men, the narcissist, the abuser, because they want our, our light. They want our hope. They want our love. And, and because of all the shit that we've been through that I, in, in my particular case, I turned that all around and said, I don't want to be nasty. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be vindictive. I don't want to be, you know, the, karma's little helper. I, I want to be stronger. I want to be better. I want to be healthier. And that grew my sassy inside and grew my light inside. And I think that's what attracted him. That he, a lot of it, now I, I have to, a lot of it was him. A, a lot of it is him. It is that abuser. It is that person that no matter who came into my life, I was still a shining light. I was still positive and outgoing and happy. I had a great job. I loved my job. I loved my kids. Um, I had a home. I had everything I could possibly want. I was making really good money. Um, and he, he sucked that. It's, it's like a mosquito. Yeah. Um, he came in and he saw that and he sucked all of that out, you know, little by little bites every day, you know, many bites throughout the day. So he just sucked everything out of me. He just sucked my blood dry yeah. like a mosquito. And, I, and as you, you and I discussed and you said uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, a lot of people really think it all is just this physical, like when you hear abuse, but it, a lot of it is just verbal and mental. And I'm sure that's probably where it starts first because you have to kind of mold that person in the way you want them. And then once you do that, then you can kind of start tempting other things. You can make them do whatever it is and bend them however you want. Oh, thank you. Yes, that is so true. And this is what I teach my clients is that and when, you know, when I give interviews like this, I do try and stress that. The abuse does not, you know, we, we have this stigma that when you say the word abuse or domestic violence, you automatically think physical. 
And it is not. When you're in a relationship with a partner, it does not start out as physical. It's not like, you know, one day, um, you know, we're, we're dating and everything's all fine and hunky-dory. And the next morning we get up and out of the blue, he decides to punch me in the face. That, that is not how it starts. It is that control, especially with a narcissist. That is like a double-edged sword coming at you. It does start out him feeling the waters, testing the waters. How far can I push? And as women, we in, in nurturers, we we allow that because we love. We want what we think is love. We want to love. We want to give. We want to nurture. We want to grow. This is my second marriage. My kids were pretty much grown out of the house on their own. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be able to give love. I wanted to be able to have a man in my life that would show me love. And it, it, it's a fine line. There are small, minute little details that he will do that, you know, the first time you're like, oh, okay. And you think about it, oh, I love, because, and this is how to break it down. You, you, the, the mind basically says, well, okay, because I love you. And because we're a couple and we're married, um, I can let this slide. And we do that in normal, healthy relationships. Yeah. But it's with, you know, a, a, an abusive man like this that, that you let it, and he tests and he pushes and pushes and pushes and tries to go farther and farther. Before you know it, you're so far in the hole that you're going, what the fuck just happened? And of course, it could be six months, a year later. You're like, you know, when I was on the toilet crying, begging for him to, you know, end my life. I had, and that was that was four years into the marriage. I'm going, just take my life already. And if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. But it was a buildup over time that it happened. It does not happen overnight. It does not happen with, you know, physical abuse first. It is. It is all those others that come into play beforehand. Yeah, and I would assume a lot of it is is deeply seated in them where God knows what they went through in their childhood and their life. Not that it's still an excuse, but whatever they went through fucked them up. And now they're so like rotting inside and so dark, they can't imagine anyone even giving them the time of day. And then someone is and it's like, well, this person th- likes me and I'm, I'm a hunk of shit. And it's like, well, then I, I mean, I guess, well, I'm going to make them feel how I feel inside. And and you get to a point where they just, they keep, like, they'll poke you once. And they're like, well, she didn't say anything. You know, I'm going to poke her twice. Oh, she's still not saying anything. I'm just, I mean, I'm going to push her. And you just keep going as far as you can, just attempt. And it's like, wow, I'm, I've made it this far. And we're still here. Like, this is awesome. And it, obviously it's not. But it's, to them, they're, it's just like a game. And, and I don't know. It, it's a very psychological, just warfare type of. It, it is. And I, and I wish that in this, in my particular situation, I don't think any of those thoughts ever crossed his mind. And if they did, he would never admit. I wish in every relationship that both the husband and wife, whatever the two partners are, you know, whatever that relationship is, I wish somebody would have enough to say, am, am I okay? <laughs> you know, even if it's internally, is this right? Is this the way I'm supposed to have a relationship? Is, is, is what I'm doing? And if, if you say it internally, have enough balls to say something to your, your spouse, your partner. And if you can't, seek a coach, seek a therapist something. If you feel, and I tell this to, to my clients, my mostly women, 
if you feel it in your gut and in, in your intuition that maybe there's a problem, <laughs> there's a fucking problem because that's your body telling you, uh, hello, there's an issue here. <laughs> Let's fix it. My body did. My body did. My body told me all the time. I refused. I didn't recognize them at first. And then when I did, I refused to accept them. And that's, that's where the problem was. I, you know, again, I stayed six and a half, almost seven years and it got worse before it got better. Yeah. I always say if I listened to my intuition, I'd probably be a hundred percent right all the time. <laughs> exactly. But I tend not to sometimes I, because it's some, sometimes whatever it tells me is, is kind of what I really wouldn't like to do. Maybe come out of my comfort zone. It's like, no, nah, I don't really want to okay. do that. I'd rather just do this. And then, of course, it bites <laughs> me in the ass, and I go, oh, man. Right? You get it. Yeah. Can you, before we kind of get into, like, that night and, and a lot of, like, this population, can you kind of go through a, just, you know, whatever, periodically of, of some of the things you went through, like, before him? Like, because you, you went through a lot of trauma well before he got to you. Oh, God, yeah. Um, well, let's see. Um, I, I had found out that I was, um, molested by a family member from, you know, very early on to about four or five years old. Um, around 11 or 12, right in that age, I had, <coughs> I had an uncle that raped me. Um, as I stated, you know, High school years were, were tough. My, I lost a brother when I was 16. He was 15. Um, to alcohol. So alcohol abuse ran in our family. Um, what other major trauma? Jeez. When I hit high school or college, that, that was, that was freedom. You know, I was no longer living under mom and dad's thumb rule. You know, I could explore and Lord knows I did. Um, I was, I was, I guess 18 or 19 and I went to a party and there was a DJ there. I'll never forget what I was wearing. Guest jeans and a black, um, Angora sweater. This was in Michigan. That's where I went to school. And it, he took a break in between, um, or was done with the night. And I remember him coming over and asking to give me a drink and I, you know, who knew back then? Asked to get me a drink because this was back in let's see, 80. I graduated high school 83, so 84, 85, somewhere in there. Um, brought me a drink, and next thing I remember is waking up tied to his bed, completely naked, still under drugs, and it was probably one of the worst nights of my life there. And it was several nights. Like I said, it was like four or five days that he held me there. And I was always under a grogginess. Um, I would eat when he told me to eat. I would shower when he told me to shower, brush my teeth when he told me to brush my teeth, go to the bathroom when he told me to go to the bathroom. And basically he had his way with me for four or five days. I don't even remember how long it was. Um, How'd you get away? He let you go? He took me home. And that was scary because he knew where I lived. And it was an apartment that I lived in by myself. 
Um, and for probably two weeks, I never left my apartment. I was so scared because when he took me upstairs and put me in my bed, he said, if you tell anybody about this, I know all about you. I will kill you and I will kill your family. And when you're 18, 19 years old, you believe that shit. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I didn't know enough back then. Not certainly, you know, what I know now. Um, and that was, that was scary, PJ. That was, that was, that was, yeah. I mean, that was, and the things he did to me, honey, I'm not even going to say on that. No, the, no, I got you. you know. <laughs> right. I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, if you see, you know, the, the TV shows, the, in the news and on some of that stuff. I mean, it was that bad and then some. Yeah, and, and another scary part that you can imagine is you weren't the only person. Exactly. I exactly. guarantee that wasn't the first time he did that or the last. No, no, he was, yeah, everything was, too, you're right, everything was too well planned. At, you know, is he still doing it? You know, and the thing is, his day job was to drive as a limo driver. So he's meeting women all the time. Yeah. Now, where he's at today, I have no idea. Like I said, this is back in 84, 85. So, no, I got you. Um, you know, again, another older man. And I'm not much older, but older, maybe 25, 26. Like I said, I was 19 or 20. Yeah, um, that was that was a bad one. And, you know, and again, I, I for the longest time, I blamed myself. Well, you know, if I didn't go, um, you know, I shouldn't have said no. I, you know. I should have just stuck with my friends. I should have, you know, my, cause I did have girlfriends that were there with me. Um, you know, why didn't they, you know, why didn't they say something when I went missing? You know, <laughs> why aren't the police looking for me? You know, I mean, all those things go through your head. Sure. Yeah. That was, that was definitely a big one. And, and then you would think I would have learned my lesson. You would have think I would have learned my talk about not listening to your gut. Okay. And not following your intuition. So I hit 20 and um, a girlfriend of mine that I was going to school with, she lived in upstate New York and we had planned a, just a kind of a long weekend and we went out. Now the drinking age in New York at that time was I think 18 or 19. So we were, you know, we were over drinking age. We went to a bar, mocha bar, kind of like a, this was, like I said, out in the woods, outside of Buffalo. So, I mean, there's more farm and animals than people kind of thing. Um, I loved playing pole. And I, I was always a flirt. I was always the, the fun girl at the party. And um, I could play pretty good pole. And a bunch of hunters came in. And we're talking 30, 40-year-olds hunters and there was maybe five or six of my guests one two three four six um and of course you know being the flirt that i am when we start playing pool and i lost the first game i said you know you guys want to play for some money and they're like oh yeah you're an easy target of course so i let them win the, the first game under money and of course the second game i won they weren't real happy about that the one guy was not real happy um, took him again for a second game. He was all done, you know, buying us drinks. And I, honestly, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you how I ended up. I remember the car. It was a huge, long Cadillac. A Cadillac, like a 60s, you know, late, mid to late 60s. And the way I know this is because I grew up in a junkyard. Um, 
and being squashed in the back seat, two on my right, two on my left, and two in the front. And I have no idea how long we drove. You know, we had we had been drinking. I was certainly buzzed. And we get to a cabin where they were hunting from. And, of course, you know, it's a hunting cabin. There is nothing around but woods and animals. And the next morning, I was like, you guys got to think, what they did to me, uh, you know, use your imagination. Six guys, one girl, use your imagination. I did finally make it home late morning, or at least back to the bar, I think it was. And I called my friend. I said, she's got to come get me. Oh, my God, Christine, where have you been? You know, we've been looking all over for you. I said, well, not in the right place, obviously. And even if you guys were looking, you were never going to find me. I did not know how I was going to get out of those woods. And there was a point the next morning when I was thinking, looking out the window, and, you know, you go through, how, how the fuck do I get out of here? It, this, is a, this is upstate New York. It is cold. It is, you know, 10, 20 degrees, if that. Right. In the middle of winter, in the middle of hunting season, I have no idea where my shoes are. I do have my, I found my clothes, found my coat, finally found my purse. All my money was gone out of my purse, which is fine. I, you know, I don't care. It was probably less than a hundred bucks. Um, you know, here's six guys that, you know, just had their way with me. And how do you reason? And I'm trying to get my wits about me. And how do you reason? Um, hey, guys, can you please take me back to where you got me from? I mean, that's the kind of shit I put myself into. And that's the kind of shit that I go, what the fuck were you doing? But again, it wasn't until, you know, I got out okay. I got back home. I survived. But I didn't realize till much later, you know, within this past year, that I had I had people looking over me. I had my angels looking over me. And they have saved my life more times, obviously, with, you know, trying to commit suicide, you know, motorcycle accidents when I, I'm in a blackout, uh, should have died, didn't, um, you know, the gunshot wound to the head. That was them. I, I have angels. I have people looking over me that are going, uh-uh-uh, you are destined for bigger, better things, girl. We need you alive. Stop trying to kill yourself. So, you know, but you don't realize that, you know, I was 20 years old, 21 years old, whatever it was. And I'm going, okay, whatever. You just think it's life. You think everything's fine, but it's not. Again, the, the signs are all there that I needed help. I just chose to ignore them and not listen to my gut and my intuition. Right. So when you when you actually did end up meeting this wonderful fella that you have such good regard for, uh, <laughs> well, at the time were you looking for something like? No, 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 not even in the slightest. I was already divorced from my first husband. I was definitely enjoying life. Um, well, okay, so I thought I was enjoying life. Um, I had a great job, as I said, was making great money, but here I was going out every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to whatever bar will take me, you know, and making my rounds. And probably every single night I brought home those three nights, I brought home a different guy. 
I, I, I was fine with it. I was okay with it. I was like, you know, the next morning, okay, there's the door. See, yes, you know, I got my fun. I got what I needed. I got what I wanted, or so I thought. Um, but it, that is, I was, I was, I was fine with that life. It was certainly not a healthy lifestyle that I was leading by any means. I had gotten my DUI. I had gotten drunk so many times that, again, men taking me home, taking advantage of me, um, gang rapes again, um, you know, but you block it. You, and what I was doing was blocking all the trauma that had happened in my life, okay? But I didn't know it at the time. I was uh, certainly not looking. No, I, I was... <laughs> And he came in so suave and 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 coy. Um, I was working at a storage facility, and he couldn't even look me in the eyes. He had brought actually his his he he was doing handyman service, and and his boss or the guy that hired him brought him in. I was we were also a a U-Haul dealer, so he was coming into the 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 big guy was coming in to rent a U-Haul truck and he had hired this person, my favorite person in the world to drive the truck across the state and come back. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I was, I was fine with who I was. I was fine with my life. I was, you know, getting drunk every night. Absolutely. Meeting guys, you know, some, you know, stayed a little longer than others. Some stayed longer than I wanted them to. Some, we're gone the next morning. I, I was perfectly fine with the life that I was living. What I didn't realize is all the damage that that lifestyle was doing to not only my body, but my mind. Mm. So in comes Mr. Wonderful and couldn't even look me in the eye. I'm dealing with the, you know, the main customer. And um, the next day, he brings this truck back. And he wants to come into the front parking lot where there's definitely not enough room for a 26 foot long U-Haul truck. And I went out and said, whoa, 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 you can't park that here. You're going to take it out back. I'll get on the golf cart. I'll meet you there. I'll pick you up. My personality, my bubble, you know, I wasn't looking at this guy in any way other than he's a customer. And quite frankly, he's a jackass for parking here. How could you not realize that? Mm-hmm. You see all the other trucks. Go back there. But I was, I was nice. I was cordial, customer service. I was on the job. That's what I do. And I picked him up in the golf cart. He's sitting in the, in the second seat. We're driving down. And his exact words were, I will never forget them for the rest of my life, were, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you how beautiful you are. And I was like, that's a first. Huh. And I took, I took a piece of paper now, okay, I'll get there. So I took a piece of paper off the, the cart and I wrote my phone number down and I said, you just earned my phone number. I left it at that. I didn't think nothing of it. Now, in the meantime, what had happened, maybe a week, maybe two weeks before this encounter, I had my bike accident and I had road rash all over my body. And I mean face my nose from the bottom of my nose to the top of my lip, the bottom of my lip to my chin on top of my knuckles, on my arms. Um, 
because of the way I crashed, my sunglasses hit my eyes, so I had two bruised eyes. Um, obviously, the alcohol was involved. Not a pretty night. Um, I had ended up going home with a guy, and when I got sober and came out of the blackout, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Get me the hell out of here. Wasn't even thinking, and got on my bike and left, and I, I wrecked. I didn't fully wreck my bike, but I, I went down. And obviously, I had all these bruises on my body. Yeah. So back to Mr. Wonderful. Um, I didn't think anything of it. I said, okay, you know, the normal would be, of course, I didn't know what normal was. Okay, so maybe he'll text me, maybe a call. And this was back in 2012 is when we met. And a few hours goes by. I'm doing my job, enjoying life, you know, looking forward to going home and getting drunk because that was the only way to suppress the pain, um, not physical pain, the emotional and mental pain. And a few hours goes by, and he walks back in, and he brought um, sea salt and cotton swabs. And he said, I, you know, I noticed that, that sea salt and, and you know, some um, hydrogen peroxide, to clean up your bruises, clean up your road rash. I was like, oh, okay. Here's a really nice gesture, you know. Nobody else has done that. Everybody else, you know, going out to the bars when everybody saw them, she's like, damn, what does the other guy look like? You know, one of those. Right, yeah. So, um, I, I, I thought I was in love. I thought I was infatuated. Um, I was like, wow, nobody has ever done this for me before. This is really nice. And he stayed a few minutes and left. And being the f big flirt that I am, I texted him right away because I think he had texted me once in between there, maybe to find out what time I, I was working till. And I texted him. I said, if I need help putting applying this, are, are you available? You know, total, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> I'm 40-some years old, my late 40s, and I'm acting like an 18-year-old, you know. Uh -huh. So, <laughs> sorry. So, and next thing I know, now I had gotten a DUI in between when my first marriage was ended and throughout all my party days. And before meeting him, it was, um, I think, maybe three or four months before I met him that I got my DUI. So driving was out of the, out of the question. I, I had already lost my license for a lot of time. And, um, you know, I, either I was walking it or biking it home. And thank goodness I only lived by car. I only lived maybe five, seven minutes away. So um, he ends up showing up and, you know, has all the fixings for a, this was, I think the same day, um, all the fixings for, um, a huge big dinner, baked potatoes. Um, I think it was a sirloin. I don't know. And he's like, I'll cook you dinner if you let me take you home. And I'm like, okay, wow. Here, you know, again, here's like the third time and, you know, major that I'm going, wow, this guy, maybe, you know, Maybe I should give it a shot, you know? And we ended up sleeping together that night. Dinner burnt. We ended up, we did have a really great conversation. We did have, but again, that's the narcissist, you know, that, you know, and I learned all this afterwards. Um, you know, I, I, great conversation. 
sharing, you know, stories. Um, I, I suspect now that a lot of what he said were lies and he just being the narcissist that he is bringing out the nice person in me and the person that was, you know, looking for love and one thing led to another and not even a full year later. And, you know, and obviously all the bullshit that happened in between, we were married. Well, I think so fascinating because again, I think some people just imagine that it's always bad but you have to kind of start from somewhere. Like you have to kind of bring someone in. Yeah. You can't just bring them in by punching them in the face. It won't like probably, <laughs> exactly. it probably won't work unless you're just like a masochist or you like some sort of abuse. Uh, right. So it, it's 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 very interesting, and fascinating to hear because it, you know I mean I I can, I know enough people who have been through similar situations, so I know. But it's good to hear that because it like I said, some people may think that it's always abusive. It's always just something bad, but sometimes it really starts off nice and it's this little dream fantasy relationship. And then it goes, it goes left real quick and you know, however long it takes to get there, but it it gets there. Cause you know, there's a lot of people will say like, was there, they'll they'll ask, is there any, was there any signs? And they're like, no, he was, he or she was just a, a sweet person. They did this and did that. And then, out of nowhere this happened and then it, it just kind of dissolved from there. So uh, like I said, it's good to paint the picture for those, especially for those who are struggling with it currently. And maybe they thought that like, cause I'm sure there's some women that are in the middle. Cause there's just, you hear, especially with women where it's like, well, he, he does this because he loves me. He does this, even if it's the worst case scenario. And, and sometimes, you know, they they hone on the, the the really great things that this person did for them. It's like well, like like yeah. him cl- like wiping you down and cleaning you up and not judging your your abrasions and everything that was all over your body. He's not judging you and he he still wants to talk to you and date you. And it's like oh, he's such a sweet guy. And then yes. now he's caving your head in, and it's like, but yeah, but there was yeah. this time where he did this, and I'll never forget that because no guy ever did that. And it's right. and it's good to hear because right. yeah, because there are women that are conflicted with that. And, and yes, yeah. and the biggest thing that I hear TJ is, but I love him. I'm like, oh, okay. So you know, the black eye is his way of showing love. I mean, I understand there's physical love language, but that ain't it. Hold <laughs> on, you know. But I love him. No, honey, that is not love. And and there's there's an issue deeper inside that woman, if it's a woman being abused, that she needs to heal just like I did. I had to go deep and understand why was I like this? Why was I attracted? You know, we brought this up in the beginning. Why was I attracted to men like this? Why did I seek that? Why did I not knowingly look for it? So there's a deeper issue inside. And I'm not saying that women are, are you know, we're, we're not at fault. It's not, again, we, we don't have that sign that says, um, hello, here I am, abuse me. I mean, we really don't, TJ. I know you asked the question and then it kind of skirted around that. But, I mean, we do, but we don't, okay? It's not like we're we're actively, it's probably more of a, not a neon sign, but it's probably a lot less um, noticeable other than to that person that is drawn to somebody that is kind and caring and loving. And they see that and go, oh, this is an easy target. 
Yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, when women say, but I love him. Yeah, we, we have got to stop that. We have got to say no to set those boundaries. I had a discussion with, with another coach the other day and we were talking about boundaries and, you know, you look at all the social media things and I, and I look at this stuff and I see it and I'm like, oh, you guys are so missing the point. Yes, we can say we, we need to set boundaries. I set my boundaries. Well, you know what? When you're in an abusive relationship, again, it, it goes back to that it doesn't start out as physical. Okay, so, you know, the little things like the, the smack across the face. Oh, okay, I'm sorry I said that. Now, I set a boundary saying, please don't hit me. Okay, that, that's just kind of mutual in a relationship. But then he hits me. And I erase that boundary and put another boundary that says, okay, if you hit me, please don't leave a mark. Not, not verbally doing this. This is all through our body language and through actions that we, we set the boundary, but then we erase that line and set another one. And another one, and another one, and to an abusive person, the person that's doing the abusing, they look for that that weakness, that 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 fault. Okay, and I'm not saying that women are weak or fault. Please don't misunderstand no, no, because we are not. But I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like if you you continue to keep drawing the line and they keep keep stepping over, it, but you keep drawing lines, it's like you're not really going anywhere. So it's it's like, exactly. the, it's like the bully mentality. It's like every day he's going to take your money. But you go, well, okay, you can take my lunch money. Just don't take my shoes. And then he takes your <laughs> right. shoes. And you're like, well, right. you know, don't, don't, take, don't take my action figure. Or don't take this. Don't take And they just keep doing it. And you just, you're going along with the new rules. But you just don't yes. want it to go any further. And it, but really, you're, you're just setting yourself for more, for more hurt. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the other things that I try and teach my clients is that we have to be stern in our boundaries. If this is a boundary you set and we start small, we start with little ones. We start with ones that are achievable, that are, that are boundaries. And it could be just personal boundaries. You know what? Today I am not going to eat that piece of chocolate. And you stick to that. It can be that simple to start with, you know, Martin Luther King said, you know, we can't climb and I'm paraphrasing, you can't climb the stairs and we don't see the, the rest of the spiral staircase till we take that first step. And that's what we need to do. Let's take that first step. It's a little one, but as long as we're taking that, that step to be healthier and, and stronger, assertive, smart, sexy, and independent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, that's the thing. You're going to, whatever, relapse. You're going to, you're going to fall on your face sometimes you are yeah but it, it, and i always say the quicksand thing it's always it's always you want to take two steps forward and one step backward if you're doing it the other way around then you're failing like that's when you're not you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing but you're always going to take that one step backward you're going to have days where you screw up because one you're human and you're not perfect and it, it just happened and then especially when you've gone through as much as you've gone through i mean you you're still probably healing to this day even you know you're in a better place you're you're still like you're still gonna make mistakes you may not make all the same mistakes but again like i said you're also human and it, it happens so as long as you're yeah as long but like when you make mistakes now currently they don't affect you as much or like look with your exactly. like especially with mental health that like we talk about a lot like when you have a really bad day, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever, it doesn't, you're not like simmering in or marinating in it for months or days or weeks. It's kind of a couple hours or maybe at best a day. And the next day you wake up and you're like, okay, I want to live again. And, and this is a good day. Yeah. 
And yes. and that's the that's the two step forward, one step backward. It's like, yeah, you're gonna yes. have that day where you just hate life, or you hate yourself, or you 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 know, you're constantly honing on your just, mistakes. <laughs> I just had that a few weeks ago. I know, I and I'm going, oh my, right, right. I'm going, right, exactly. And I'm like, and seriously, TJ, I had again seriously contemplated and really. Because of my AA background and going through AA and NA and everything else that I've gone through, I had to seriously think that thought through and go, Christine, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you having these thoughts again? Now, the biggest lesson that I learned from that, PJ, and, and I, you know, I, I know we need to bring abuse and domestic violence forefront and in the spotlight, but we also need to bring mental health I just had a conversation with somebody about that the other day that we need to change the word mental health. It has gotten somewhat of a negative stigma and it should not. And I can tell you, you know, we both know from experience that mental health is so crucial. A good, positive, healthy mental health is, is, is crucial in, in our being. And I just went through, but the biggest lesson that I learned when I was going to, and it did, it only lasted a few hours in the evening, you know, at the end of the day, maybe six, seven o'clock at night till about nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. But I had to think that thought through completely, completely like every minutia of a, of a, everything in my life. Okay. Well, where would this be? Would, you know, well, does that matter? Does this matter? You know, what about my kids? What about my grandkids? You know, what about where I live? What about my dog? What about my two cats? I and mean, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. really think that thought through. And if it were not for the fact that I gathered a good, healthy set of friends and other coaches, you and I would not be talking today. I would not be here because that's how much I thought the thought through and still almost went, "Ah, fuck it. (laughs) You know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to be reincarnated, start all over again, have to relearn all these fucking lessons. Oh, well, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of this. I mean, TJ, I was even, even me being as, as far healed as I am being a coach to other women that I am, I do go through this. I am, we will never, fully heal I believe um, it's just as, as, as women of abuse or victims of abuse we just never fully heal there's so much that happened in whether it's a short period of time or a long period of time that and I'm addressing every single issue I possibly can and when it comes up I sit with it and I think about it and I talk to my friends about it and I really do I talk to my friends a lot of my friends are coaches that I'm going, you know, why am I having this thought? Why am I having this feeling? What do I do about it? How do I address it? You know, and I get all kinds of, of suggestions and tools and, and, you know, try this, Christine, you know, and obviously the, the biggest one is I'm not getting off the phone with you. That is the biggest one. And we have a hard time when it comes to suicide at, in general, as humans, we have a hard time knowing how to help that person on the other end. We have a hard time saying and accepting that really you're going, can't you just, you know, flip a switch in your head and just move on and, you know, go to bed and, you know, maybe you'll be better tomorrow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, there, there are times that I wish I, I, 
I wish people could understand that side. I wish everybody could learn um, the 12 steps because there's so much just human knowledge in there and human care, human care and love that you learn. And a lot about ourselves that we learn going through those programs. We should be teaching this shit to kids in school. We wouldn't have gun violence. You know, we would have half the shit if, if kids, and if we just got back to the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If we could all just live that and teach it and, and, and support it and breathe it, yeah. this world would be a better place. Yeah, no, for sure. You have to try to find ways. Cause I, I, I when I did, when I first did one of my episodes with, talking about depression i named it like the dark cloud just because of it's always something over your head and you know just yep. it, it comes over you whenever it feels like it but uh yep. you know I, I one of the things i said towards the end i was like just as just a regular person out there in the world don't be the reason why someone kills himself and i know that's a lot of pressure but it's like sometimes some people are really holding on by, just by dear life and they just want yes. a nice interaction with a stranger <coughs> with anyone and and yes. you could just be that one dick that gets in their way and, and you're not it's not intentional but you could be that one person that just sets them off and goes well everyone sucks the world is bad and i just i'm done and it, exactly it, it's it can be very rough and, and again some some people are very mentally fragile and, and they and especially when they're at their, you know, like when you were saying, when you, when you do get knocked down and, and you have to start over, that's another really fucked up realization because it's like, I am not doing this again. I just did this however long ago, how, even if it was years ago. It's like, I, I don't want to do this. I can't do it. Like, cause you, And that's something as, as as people like you and I who are super strong, we don't realize how strong we are and what we can endure because we just, we're looking at it from the bottom. And we're just like, yes. oh my god, I I can't climb this again. This is I I barely made it through last time. <laughs> yes, yes. And that, there's a saying that I I somewhat cringe when I hear it. Okay, that this, well, you know, God only gives his toughest battles to his strongest warriors. And I'm like, fuck that shit. I am so done fighting this battle. There are days where I go, I am done fighting this battle. I cannot fight anymore. I cannot go on anymore. What is there? What is, what is wrong? What do I need to change? What, you know, I'm done fighting. I just, I just want to rest. I just want to rest. Yeah. And yes, those are the thoughts where you go, like permanent rest, <laughs> you know, not to sleep at night and get up in the morning, you know, and of course sleep, sleep is, 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 you know, sleep is, well, you know, maybe I'll sleep tonight. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll sleep through the night. Maybe I'll be up you know, three times. You know, it, yeah, it affects everything. Yeah, it's like if you were an animal and you you know you get trapped in a trap and then you gnaw your leg off and it's like, well, okay, I only have one more leg left, so now I'm gonna gnaw that off too, and then right. I'm, I'm gonna crawl. Through this thing you just you keep getting yes. all these setbacks, and, and and that's the thing. Some that's that's where you mentally have to check yourself and realize what are you doing to cause this, and not not necessarily like the the, the rapes and the abuse and stuff, but like there is a part to play in it. Is like what am I doing? What how am I putting myself in these positions? Obviously, taking drinks from strangers and things like that, but you have to figure out how am I causing this, even even if it's a small part. You have to realize because you have to rewire yourself. You have to change that yes. because otherwise yes. it's not going to change. And they're going to continue to see this in you. That one thing that gives them the sign that, oh, you're that kind of person that I could do this to. Because there are people yes. they wouldn't try that with. 
And absolutely. And so, and you give off that whatever it is, whatever feeling, emotion, vibe you give off, they sense it. And that's the thing you have to delete. And, but to do that, you have to go backwards and you have to go through everything you've been through and you have to say, what am I doing? And what is like the, the recurring theme here? And, you know, step, step four in AA, take a moral inventory. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, that was, when I did that, and, and, and one of my coaches, she's also a recovering alcoholic, and she actually said to me, as, as I was going through this a couple of weeks ago, she said, Christine, I want you to read the third step prayer, and I want you to go back to, to step three and step four. And I'm like, seriously? She's like, mm She's kind of putting her hand up to me going, mm, girlfriend, just listen to what I'm telling you, okay? And I went, and I'm like, okay, I got my AA book out, and I'm like, oh, shit. So yeah, it is, it, you're right, TJ. It's, it's, I have to look inward to be able to, because that's where the problem really is. And I hate using that word. I don't like the word problem, but that's where, you know, it, it, is it an issue? Is it a conflict? Um, I haven't quite come up with the right word, but whatever it is, it starts from the inside. It, it does. And I have to, you know, I, I do that, you know, two weeks ago after, you know, the next morning after I finally got some sleep and I'm going, okay, I need to write this down. I need to take my more, where did I falter? Where did I, where did I step off the path? Where did I end up in the woods instead of on the, you know, where, how did I, you know, derail, <laughs> you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, right. but it was basically going back to me and inside. Okay. What do I need to heal? What do I need to fix? What do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? You know, because, you know, we, we cannot, we cannot fix, we cannot change anybody but ourselves. And it has to start with each other. We have to start taking a look inward and, and saying, okay, how can I be better? How can I make the world a better place? How can I just, even if my world is just, you know, my house, my kids, my animals, my pets, this, this little neighborhood that I live in, you know, whatever your little world is, you know, in your job and your, your, um, you know, wherever you, you make your money at. Okay. How can I make this better? Right. And it, it starts in within. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. so I, I want to get to kind of what you're doing today and, and how much, you know, how great of the things you're doing before that, I guess we have to finish off this chaotic relationship. So obviously the suicide attempts and that crazy <laughs> night. So I want you to just kind of take us through it real quick and, or however long you take, but, uh, <sighs> just so, I mean, unfortunately we have to paint the picture because again, there are people that are going through this currently and it's terrible. Okay. So we met in 2012, married in 2013, 2015, I think is when I reached my, and I say I think for a reason, because because of what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we were drunk, probably Tito's tequila or whatever the hell it was, I don't know, whatever we were drinking. And my, my dr- drug of choice at that time was Captain Morgan Silver Spiced Rum. And by the way, I am a recovering alcoholic for a little over six years now. So, thank you. Um, I just want you to understand that I, I, I am recovered from that. You're welcome. So, we were drinking because, you know, that's, that's the byproduct of being in an abusive relationship. We've turned to drugs and alcohol to hide the pain, cover the pain. 
and I don't even I don't even remember what happened. I know I I remember sitting on. I remember this is my house. I owned it. It was in my name only. Never put him on the mortgage. Thank God, goddess. So I'm sitting on the toilet in my bedroom, and I'm sitting backwards, and I am leaning over the tank. And I'm sobbing and crying. He probably hit me, you know, pulled my hair. I can't tell you how much hair I lost from, you know, clumps being pulled out throughout this time. Um, and I'm trying to stay quiet and I'm trying to, to not piss him off any more than he already is. Yeah. And I'm sobbing and weeping and crying. And I had closed and locked the bedroom door. And he came in wanted to and realized that it was locked and I'm trying to stop crying I'm, I'm trying real hard because you know when you're in that situation you know the more you cry the worse it's going to get you know it's kind of like you know if you don't stop crying I'll give you something to cry about I hate that thing now are you are you crying just because you're realizing the situation you're in or did he hurt you like what do you do you remember why you were crying at the time like I said, we were drinking, so it, you know, it was probably something that I said or did the wrong way, set him off. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember. I honestly, I do not remember, and, and you'll understand why I don't remember shortly. Right, right, of course. Um, so he walks away. I could tell that he was walking away, probably screaming, yelling something. Um, the next thing I remember is I'm, I'm still trying to stop my sobbing. And then when I say, I mean, like from the pit of my gut sobbing yeah. and two, three heavy hits. And I didn't realize till after the fact that he had gone out to the garage and gotten a sledgehammer and busted down the door. Mm. And of course I'm thinking, oh, and I still can't stop crying. I'm like, please, and you know, internally, I'm going, please, please stop crying. You know how bad it's going to get. You know how bad it's going to get. And I heard him open the um, dressing room, and I heard the gun talk. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And at that point, I was like, I was done. I, w I was done. I was physically done, mentally done, just done. I had already attempted suicide twice with him. Um, I was done. I was, I was done. I'm still crying. And he put, you know, came up behind me, smacked me upside the head, probably with the side of the gun, um, put the gun on top of my head. And if you don't shut the fuck up, I'll pull this fucking trigger. He's yelling and screaming at me and obviously calling names. Um, you know, the, the whole, the whole nine yards, everything. And I got to a point where that moment in me flipped and every ounce of whatever was left in me came out. And I, I turned to the left. He was kind of on my right and the gun was on the right side of my head. And I'm pointing right down my, down my, you know, the top of my head. And I, I turned over and I said, do it. You 
fucking piece of shit. Just pull the fucking trigger. Just pull it. You ain't got balls big enough to pull it. Pull the fucking trigger. You piece of shit. You pussy. Pull the goddamn fucking trigger. End my fucking life now. Get it over and done with. I am done. And he pulled the trigger. And I sat there for a moment and two things went through my head. Fuck, I'm not dead. And the second thought was, oh, fuck, I'm not dead. One was relief. One was, oh, shit. Yeah. And obviously I'm deaf because obviously, and this was, this is a, it was a 40 caliber gun. It was not a small gun. So I'm deaf ringing in my ears. I could feel the blood starting to trickle down my, my head and, and kind of, you know, going from there. I could hear that he was yelling at me, but I couldn't make out what he was saying, obviously because of the deafness of the, of the blast of the gun. Right. I could smell the burnt skin, the burnt hair. You never forget that. And I looked up slightly and saw the huge hole in my wall. And I just sat there feeling the blood. Now it's starting to come down more. I did, I couldn't even think. I was I, I couldn't even think. Like I said, the, the only two thoughts at that moment were, I'm alive. Is that good or bad? You know, I, 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 I couldn't think. He gets pissed off. He realizes what he did. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know what's going through his head, obviously. He goes and puts the gun back. Of course, you know, slapped upside the head again, cussed at, screamed at, called every name in the book, puts the gun back in the drawer, storms out. I could hear the shot glass kind of slam back down on the table. So I'm like, great. He's back to drinking. So I sat there numb and then I thought well I could finish what he couldn't start Take that guy, I knew how many rounds are in the clip I could finish what he didn't do I could get the gun and pull the trigger on myself or I could commit homicide is it justifiable at that point Probably not. I wasn't under attack. He was in the other room. I, it's funny how your brain just works and kicks in. So the survival mode, I guess, kicked in. And I sat there for a very long time and contemplated. Again, I you know, thought the thought through, you know, what about my kids? What about my house? You know, is this really how I want to go out? You know, I tried it once before, you know, and it didn't work. What the fuck? You know, what happens if I pull the trigger? It doesn't, you know, doesn't work. The gun jams, whatever. And for the longest time, I just sat there in total silence, numb. I didn't even tend to my wound. Didn't even know how bad the wound was. And it was probably good 30, 40 minutes that I just sat. I just sat and stared at the wall. I don't know if any thoughts actually went through my head. I don't remember much more after that. I remember the next morning 
And of course it's always, you know, this, this was, this one was a big one. So it's not like, you know, every other time it was, um, honey, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. Um, you know, bring home a gift, whether, you know, you know, extra food or a new nightie or a, a new shirt for fishing or, you know, whatever gift he, he thought he could bring home. This one was different. Right. There's no coming back from this one. And no, there wasn't. There wasn't. So the next morning I got up. And I, of course, I slept in a different room. I, I didn't even want anything to do with him. I just, I think I, I think I, you know, I think I got out from the toilet and just went into the other bedroom. Still not, you know, addressing my wound or my head or, you know, the dried blood by now, you know. And I woke up the next morning and it was kind of like still numb. And I kind of said to myself, Christine, what the fuck are you doing? How did it get this bad? Why did it get this bad? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to fix it? How are you getting out? How are you getting rid of him? I don't know where, you know, of course I go throughout my day and it was probably a weekend. So, you know, we, we probably ended up going fishing, pretended like nothing happened. I tried to clean up myself, you know, in my shower and, kind of get go oh hell no (laughs) no no because that's the embarrassment of oh my god you know i mean how could i um you know this is all my fault we we think those things and going to the hospital was like the last thing that i even thought about you know i looked at tried to look at my head through the mirror i don't think he ever ever looked at the damage that he'd done even even after the fact anywhere along the lines because this happened, like I said, in 2015. I kicked him out in 2018. So there was, you know, three more years in there that we never brought this up. He never spoke about it. I never spoke about it. But something changed inside me. Something that next morning, something said, you've got to make a change, girl. You've got to get out. You've got to make a difference. You've got to do something. I don't know what it was, TJ. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, you know, I, I, I said that I, I, I think I formulated a plan as lousy as it was. I knew I needed to get out. I did not know which way it was going to go, but I knew I needed to get out. I knew I needed to. I couldn't leave. This was my house. I'm not leaving my house. You are not getting my house. I, I think that 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 sassy essence that I that I talk about and teach and 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 train about just kind of really that that flame inside there just really oof. yeah and and of course life just goes on you know we like i said we never we never talked about it we still did our things the abuse still continued not near this bad that that was definitely i think that was a moment for him where he went oh fuck am i really capable of that you know now i had found out after the fact that I kind of took a, a quick online quiz as if I were him and everything that I knew about him. He, he would have scored had he taken it and been completely honest. But what, as far as what I knew, he scored an 8 out of 10 on the psychopath quiz or test, which means basically he's 80% psychopath. <laughs> I was like, well, I kind of knew that. <laughs> So life goes on, and before, um, before you, you know, on, one one, one kind of random question: Do you think the reason you survive is that the bullet went through? 
Because they, you, said, no. you said you saw the hole in the wall. And yes. I would assume it went through clean because a lot of times when the bullets get lodged in there, that's when it really causes problems. Not that I've been shot. What, what happened was, I think, I don't know. I think my, my, um, my guides and my angels stepped in and because again, with all the times and all the shit that I've been through throughout my life and all the times that attempted suicide, um, I think they stepped in and somehow moved his hand or caused him to move his hand. And it, what, what happened was it, it grazed my head. It, I mean, deep, it was deep, but it grazed. Um, somehow it kind of just kind of bounced off the top of my head or, you know, like I said, grazed my head and went right there. I mean, like if you, Picture yourself sitting on a, a any chair, and you look up, and it's right there. I mean, you cannot not see that hole. So, I mean, it was right there. I, I should not be alive. I, when I tell you I should not be alive, I should not be alive. Yeah, maybe it did like a um, straight shot through like the side of your head, like through your skin. Yes, and it did damage, yes. but it didn't go in. in the, oh yeah, because that would. I was, exactly. I was trying to come up with any reason how you. I mean, again, it's, it's crazy <laughs> shit happened. There are people who shot themselves. And blew half their face off and they're still alive but i was trying to figure out how this one because it obviously is it's close range and you know you, said <laughs> yes. the, you know you said about a hole in the wall so i figured it obviously it went through and yes so. yeah as it, as it turns out it actually went through three walls <laughs> like i said 40 caliber so it went through three three walls in my house um you know the first bathroom, the second bathroom, and then the other side of the second bathroom, that third wall. And it lodged in, it happened to be right where the AC unit was. And it, it, you know, it wasn't until I had going through and been, you know, was selling the house years later that I was like, Oh, I remember you, you little fucker. (laughs) Today, I wish I would have saved the, the, the the shell, but, or the, you know, the, the bullet, but I didn't. And I I wish I would have, I I wish I could have turned it into a necklace and go, look, I survived that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I I know we're, we're short for time. So what had happened in, in this was 2015 and because the alcohol got so bad. And again, I think my angel stepped in 2016 because I had always said um, internally and, and throughout these years, I, I had said that, you know, either on and uh, the things that I had tried, I would look up and say, either put me in the fucking ground or put me in the hospital. And they decided to put me in the hospital. I ended up in the hospital uh, almost a year, four surgeries, 15 procedures. The second surgery, I died on the table twice. Um, Ended up with, I don't know, 78, maybe two staples from my chest down. Um, They took out my my appendix, my gallbladder, part of my colon, part of my intestine, and my left fallopian tube. When my surgeon came in after the second surgery, he looked at me and the only words that he basically said were, Christine, if you take another drink, you will die. And I kind of internally said, eh, it's a theory. I don't want to test. So even throughout my year, almost a year in and out of the hospital, the first day was eight weeks. Second day was about seven weeks. Uh, when I had finally had the third surgery, that was about a week. Um, Throughout all that time, he was still cheating on me. I was even lucky if he came to visit me in the hospital. Now, we're married. 
I mean, wouldn't you think that if your wife was going through and died on the table twice, that you'd be there as much as you possibly could and take care and, 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 you know, be there with her and, you know, show up maybe, you know, two, three times a day, whatever it took. I was lucky if he came once. And even then it was max 15 minutes and he was gone. I of course found out after the fact and once I got healthy again and out of the hospital that um, he was seeing his side check. So, you know, he was, and I knew he was cheating on me well before, you know, when all this was happening. And, you know, again, knowing that he was cheating on me even before the gunshot, that I still tolerated it. Again, I, I set that boundary and he crossed it and I let him set, a, you know, I set another boundary and he crossed it and I set another one and he crossed it until it got that bad. So, 2016 to 2017, April of 2017 was my last surgery. It was so bad. The damage that I had done to my body was so bad that they put a stent in my liver. Uh, my liver since healed. Obviously, I said I'm, I'm sober. Um, it was like a week before I went into the hospital that I took my last drink. And of course, coming, you know, those, those almost a year, um, that I ended up addicted to painkillers. That was fun. <laughs> like, you know, after several months, I'm like, oh my God, Christine, you're doing it again. You got to stop. So um, I did finally stop and get off the painkillers. I was on all kinds of meds. I can't tell you how many IVs I had stuck in me. I mean, that, it, was an, it was an excruciating experience. One that I, I do not wish even on him. <laughs> um 2018, 17, I got out of the hospital, and that's when I really said, okay, this is not working. Nothing's changed. I have to make a difference. I have to do something here. How do I get him out of my house? And it wasn't until we ended up, that's what it was, late 2017, ended up with a, um, a hurricane that hit up here on Carolina. And he was offered a um, a job to come up and work on the damaged hurricane, the homes up here. So I thought, oh my God, this is great. So he said, okay, I'm I'm gonna move, and I'm like, okay, you know, I support you. I mean, I totally lied. I totally, you know, I support you, and yes, this is the best thing for you. I think this is the best thing for a relationship. You go do you. Um, you know, if you can send me some money, great. You know helped me take care of the house and then we had I I had pets um and he he did sort of we we had gotten to a point where it was amicable we knew we were both not meant for each other um by this point so he left late 2017 eight days later eight days later I had, you know, he left. I did not shed a tear. I probably danced in my, now I'm already sober. Um, had already, you know, was dancing in my living room going, whoo-hoo, the bastard's finally out of my house, you know. <laughs> finally out of my life. Go. Do what you need to do. You know, wish you the best, but get out of my life. Eight days later, he calls and says, I'm coming back to Florida. I'm like, oh, no, you ain't. <laughs> no, you're not. And he showed up at my door and I said, nope, 
it was the first time in my life that I actually said no to him. He meant it. That switch happened inside of me. I was starting to heal. I was starting to grow. I was learning who I was as a woman, as a person. I was enjoying my freedom, my independence. Um, I, I was learning how to live again. I was learning how to be a woman again. And, well, okay, what is being, because obviously with everything we talked about with my previous history, what does it mean to be a woman? I was finding all this. I was enjoying, I was engaged with my family again. Um, because that's one of the things that a narcissistic abuser will do is take away all your friends and family and you don't even realize what's happening. So I stood my ground and I said, no, oh, but honey, please, it will only be temporary. No. And those two letters are a complete sentence. No. 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 And I just kept saying no. And he ended up going back to the, the girlfriend. Um, she took him in for, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe six, eight months. And finally, she had enough of his shit, and she kicked him out. Oh, where do you think he called? Me. And I was like, no. Definitely not. No. And of course, you know, it, you know, the, the verbal abuse then starts. You know, I'm, you know, you're a piece of shit. I can see why your first husband didn't, you know, want to fuck you and blah, blah, blah. I mean, like everything possible that he could think he could say to hurt me. At that point, my armor and my walls were on up there was no penetrating me did i like that person back then oh hell no but i needed to i needed to protect who i was inside who i was becoming inside um and i needed to to put up that shield for him to realize he's not getting in he's done he's over and and last i heard um back in 2000 i think it was early 2019 because it was 2018, I'm sorry. So the divorce was finalized in May of 2020, and I think it was the end, like November of 2019. So we're in the middle of COVID, basically, in 2020, and um, he tells the judge and his attorney that he, he had moved to North Carolina and um, couldn't come down, had all these ailments. Oh, the abuse that I went through from the, the, the judicial system, TJ, was almost as bad as the shit I went through with him. <laughs> Seriously, it was bad. It was bad. Um, the divorce came through in, like I said, April, May of 2020. The judge basically said, and I hadn't been able to return to work. Um, I was living on disability, um, trying to keep myself above board. Um, you know, keep myself afloat, trying to make ends meet, couldn't really work yet. Because remember, being a, in the hospital for about a year, I lost all my muscle. I lost, you know, a ton of weight. Um, I needed to get healthy again. I couldn't lift anything. I had, again, like I said, I had 70, 80 some staples in my body, um, you know, trying to heal from all that internal shit being removed and what they did inside there and all the healing that I had to go through internally. Um, took a long time. So, um, the, basically the judge said that, uh, well, you've proven you can take care of yourself and he's proven he can take care of himself. I'm not awarding anybody any alimony. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So for the first day or so, I was pissed. And then I realized, you know what? I'm so glad that she said that. Yes, it was a female judge. 
and I I said even to my attorney because my attorney's going you know her jaw dropped she could hardly believe this she thought for sure under the circumstances that I would have be awarded some sort of alimony from him and um, I said to my attorney I said you know what I said I'm glad I am not tied to this man for another three to five years yeah. you know waiting for any type of, of you know, financial support from him. I will make it. You're not, you have no string. There's no attachments to him at all anymore. Exactly. Even though you would get money and, and you, you, you're deserving of it, it. It's probably a good thing that you don't have to see him. There's nothing, but his name is on it. Nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I cut every single, <clears throat> excuse me, every single tie, string, rope, noose, you know, everything possible from this man. Um, with the help of that judge. And as much as I was mad at her for that first day or so, I am grateful to her for what she did because it brought out my sassy full blown. And I ended up um, working on my house. I ended up going back to work a little bit on the side here and there, making some money, putting things away, working on my house. Cause you know, not only did I suffer from his fist, okay? My house had holes in it like you wouldn't believe. From big holes to fist holes, I mean, there was a lot of work that needed to be done to my house. So I, I worked, I got better, I got healthier, um, you know, physically, mentally, not completely, because like I said, you know, we talked in this earlier, that that mental health and those internal psychological wounds take a long time to heal. Um, and then. Uh, you know, I, I sold my house. I moved up here to Tennessee, and I have been on a journey to heal myself and help other women realize we don't have to put up with this shit. We can put our foot down. We can. And the other thing, TJ, is we have got to. We have got to teach our children, boys and girls to set those boundaries, stick with those boundaries, say no when you need to, do not tolerate abuse, do not tolerate, you know, if, if and we, we have to be a better society and that kind of is my, because it was gifted to me in a, um, an encounter that I had with Archangel Michael um, and not, and not even where you would think that it would be the twice that I died on the table. It was a completely different situation. He basically came to me in another one of those bottom of the barrel moments. This was well after the divorce, but before it was, or, you know, well after he left, but before the divorce was finalized, um, Archangel came to me in, in the situation that I was in. And he basically said to me, everything will be okay. And he gave me my life back and told me this is what you need this is why you stayed alive all those times christine because you've got to teach other women you've got to help other women you've got to get the word out there you've got to spread this word spread your mission spread your light and let everybody know that that's willing to listen and willing to change and heal because i can't i can't force change on anybody we talked about that earlier too that the only person we can change is ourselves yeah. um but to, to to basically say, I'm here. When you're ready, I will spread my love, spread my, and it's not even my love. It's God's love, whatever, you know, your higher power, your source, the universe, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's here. It's, it's 
when you're ready and willing and able to accept it, it's here. And I'm, I'm ready to help who needs it. Yeah, for sure. Do you, I, I really don't remember. Do you have a, anything to promote, a book or anything or, or a website? <laughs> I, yeah, just book a call. That's the, the easiest thing that I can say. Book a call. It's free. We can spend 30 minutes. We can spend 50 minutes. We can spend 60 minutes. Let's get on a phone call. Let's have a conversation. See where you're at in your journey. Um, you know, book the calls. Let's talk and see, see where we can go from there. Is that how anyone, like, because I want to know if, if there's any women that are struggling and want to get a hold of you uh, or going through a similar situation. Is that how they get a hold yes. of you? Yes. Like, like I said, uh, you know, a woman's uh, confidence coach. So, and if it's abuse, great. If it's alcoholism, great. If it's, you know, the mental health, great. Let's talk. Um, my website is um, sassycoach.com. Facebook, I'm on there as the Sassy Coach. You can book from there. You can book on my website, the call, um, get on my calendar. We'll, if something doesn't work, then let me know. Um, I always make time, always try and make time for anybody that is reaching out because we know, TJ, reaching out is such a hard first step. Taking that first step is so hard. Sure. And it takes a lot within that person, male or female to say, I need help. And that was, that was, that was hard. You know that it's hard to say, I need help. Yeah. So reach out, you know, book that call. It's a free call. It doesn't cost you anything. We talk, we figure out where you want to go, where you want to be. And we take it from there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. Glad you, you for coming on. Obviously I'm very proud of everything you've overcome. Cause oh, thank you. Definitely thank you. Thank you. Had to go through any of that, but you know, obviously it made you who you are and yes. it sucks that it had to take that much, but you know, <laughs> you're here well, I should have listened. I should have listened to my intuition a lot sooner, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, now you know not to ever go against it. Exactly. You know, I, I, I actually do that. I, I, I take a few moments and I kind of meditate. I close my eyes. I go out in nature and I go, all right, guys. What do I need to know? Talk to me. And they do. You know, my, my higher power, my angels, they talk to me. They let me know. I mean, you know, it could be voices that I hear, and I'm not mentally crazy. They do talk to me. Um, Archangel Michael, when I, you know, a few weeks ago, it was a few nights later that he came to me again and said, Christine, what did I tell you all those years ago? And I said, yeah, I know, but ah, what did I, and his voice was different. And he said, what did I tell you? I, I know everything will be okay, but, and he said, ah, there is no but. What did I tell you? With so much love that came from him, and, and, he, and I said, you said, everything will be okay. He said, okay then, everything will be okay. Do what you need to do. I'm right here with you, girl. I went, okay, and the next morning I got up and, here I am. <laughs> you know? yeah. no. Call me crazy, you know, get the white jacket, <laughs> cross the, you know, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> you know? I'm divinely protected. I know my mission. I know that I, I'm, I'm here to help whoever needs it. So yeah. bring it on, TJ, right? Bring it on. Bring it on, yes. And I will definitely be here with you. So I hope, you know, Thank we'll you. support each other. Anything you ever need. And yes. 
you know, like when you reached out the other day or a couple weeks ago when we were supposed to do the podcast and, you know, I told you you need anything, but I know you kind of wanted to be alone. So I just let, it, let you be and, you know, but yeah, anytime you need something, please. You are, you are good. You are a good soul, PJ. You really are. You, you are, you are a blessing. I hope you realize that you are a blessing. I know you go through your own shit, but for a reason. I try and I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I know you I'm, do. Yeah. I know you do. We're all hanging on to something, but, um, exactly. But yeah. You read same, same way. Reach out. If you need to chat, you know, I'm always here for you. I won't charge you, honey. <laughs> yeah, yes, please don't. No, I, I can afford it, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did me a favor by doing this. So I owe you. <laughs> no, you're good. You don't owe me anything, but yes, thank you for being a friend. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely talk very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got some things in the works that I want you part of. So. Okay. I appreciate that. Anything you need. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm there. Thank you. Same here. Alrighty. Well, we'll uh, like I said, we'll talk soon and uh, just take care of yourself. Stay sober. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Honey. All right. You keep your chin up. You too. I love, love you. Thank you. Reach out anytime. Okay. Yep. Same here. All right. Bye, sweetie. Bye. All right, guys. <clears throat> um, yeah. That was an emo emotional roller coaster, if you will. It's uh yeah, she's been through a lot. I wanted to tell it or have her tell it, I should say. And um yeah, man. So much in there to unpack, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um I know, you know, like I said, some of it, she, she, before we got on the air, she asked if, like, was it okay that she cursed? And I'm like, yeah. Like, when she's telling that story of how she's telling him, or her to, telling him to kill her, and, and, you know, if she was going to, she's repeating verbatim what he's saying to her and what she's saying to him. Like, that's a part of the story. Like, if you don't like certain words and whatever, don't listen. But I'm not saying anyone complains about that, but I mean, some people think like, oh, you shouldn't use profanity so much in this, in, in, you know, in this instance and that. And I don't care like that. That is what happened. So I want to leave it uh, in its entirety. So, you know, I want to leave it in its, in its purest form and um, leave it intact. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, I'm sleepy, but I have to go to this place that's about a half hour from here called the turkey ranch it's like a restaurant that's been down in this town for like or, or not, a couple towns over actually uh it's been there since like the eight, like the late 1800s it's a really cool place um yeah good food and yes i am getting turkey if you wondered uh they do have other stuff but i am getting turkey. Gobble, gobble. uh before i go does bullet want to say anything bullet bullet he's like it's literally right in front of his face and he's just sleeping and now he's playing dead. Bullet. He's kind of purring. You can kind of hear it. And he was breathing. But he's a, he's a big chunker muffins. Aren't you a big guy? Yes, you are. Oh, I didn't rub that belly. Okay. Um, but we're out of here. appreciate everyone's support. Thank you again for everything. And uh, we will uh, talk next week. Kind of, sort of. Bye, guys.